This is the Key to Authority podcast, episode number 55, with guest Adam Franklin. Welcome to the Key to Authority podcast, where it is all about helping you unlock the secrets of becoming the go-to expert in your industry. And here is your host, Janish Pandya. Hello and welcome to the Key to Authority podcast. I'm your host, Janish Pandya, and this podcast is all about helping you become that authority in your industry and becoming known as the go-to expert. Here we unlock the secrets behind how you can do so with awesome guests who have done it before and who have been in the trenches, who have done the work. So welcome to today's episode. Today's topic is about creating a killer web strategy. Now, one of the biggest challenges speakers and coaches face is they're always involved in their things and forget about the web marketing, the digital marketing, and don't really have a cohesive strategy that can help them generate leads and sales and get their brand out there, build an audience, and everything in that side of things. Today's guest is Adam Franklin. I met Adam at the We Are Podcast Conference. I love his presentation. I've read his book, Web Marketing That Works, and I consume his content like I'm eating cupcakes. Uh, He has a great podcast, him and along with Toby Jenkins. They run Blue Wire Media. Adam's an international social media speaker and he has a wealth of knowledge and the best things about Blue Wire Media is they give immense value to their customers, their clients, and they're genuine guys. So without further ado, here's the interview with Adam Franklin, where we discuss the key to creating a killer web strategy. Hey, Adam, welcome to the Key to Authority podcast. Uh, I saw you present at the We Are podcast conference in Gold Coast, and I loved the tips and strategies you talked about, email marketing and how to build a list, and then got to find out more about what you do at Blue Wire Media along with Toby, and love the 33 marketing templates, and I also enjoyed reading few chapters of the book that you gave me then. So thought, let's get you on the show and share that awesomeness about web marketing strategy that you have in your head with the whole audience of the Key to Authority podcast. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Janish. It's great to be here. So Adam, let's get right into it. What is your definition of authority and what do you think is the key to authority? Look, my definition, probably from a more literal sense, is um, you know, is being an author because author is the key word that authority comes from. And to me, an author is somebody that publishes information that's helpful and valuable, and they share what other people can benefit from. So I think the people that have authority in the online world and in the real world, which is one and the same really, are the people that can be the most helpful and the most generous by publishing and and sharing stuff that is useful and so the key the key is just being a publisher being a helpful and caring and generous uh person that that um that willingly shares that stuff and, and appreciates that the more you can help other people the more you'll actually benefit yourself as well I love that definition. It's all about that being helpful and being that valuable. And I love in terms of what you do because normally people give away one ebook or one template 
as a freebie or as a lead magnet and you give away 33 of them and those are like really really valuable you could easily pay 50 bucks for each of them so i can see you live it so where did all this start uh, where did how did you become the authority in web strategy well look i guess a lot of it stemmed from when we first released our web strategy planning template we were sitting down and sort of thinking about whose business and whose marketing had really resonated with us. And when I say us, it's Toby and you, you mentioned earlier, my business partner. And we had learned a lot from a guy called Vern Harnish, who founded EO, Entrepreneurs Organization. And in those days, his book was Mastering the Rockefeller Habits. These days, he's done a second version of it called scaling up and what really drew us to him was the fact that his name had come up with four or five different friends and mentors and they all said you've got to check out Vern Harnish you've got to download his one page strategic plan and when we heard this four or five times we thought gee this is a recurring theme here so we downloaded his free template we started trying to use it and then in order to get better use from the template, we bought his book, which which helped explain it and explain the philosophy and the principles behind it. And, you know, having then read the book, when he came to Australia, we bought tickets to his workshops and really liked what he taught. But even more interestingly, when we put our marketing hat on, we liked how we were sort of drawn into his ecosystem from his generosity and the fact that his work preceded him, I guess, like people were talking about him. We interacted with his content long before we actually spent money with him. And it was that experience that Toby and I wanted to emulate with our own marketing. And so we tried to model the masters. And that's why we created our web strategy planning template, because that had worked so well on us with Vern's one page strategic plan. Okay, and in terms of the whole business around the Blue Wire Media and partnering up with Toby, your best friend from school and everything. So how did that come about? Because I've I've known the story a little bit from reading the book, but I would love to hear it a bit more. Yeah, so, I mean, we've been mates since grade one. Uh, we went to primary school in Brisbane and high school and university, and we played water polo together and traveled a bit and been on the same uh, swimming teams and and whatnot and so anyway we were actually toby was at the athens olympics he was in the water polo team for australia and i was conveniently living nearby in the greek islands just because <laughs> i wanted to be close if toby or when toby made the cut for the team and so when he was selected and it was all gonna it was all gonna happen i just jumped on a ferry and and watched him play water polo at the olympics but then after that we were sort of sitting down having a uh a, ref a reflective moment at Santorini and we sort of thought I wonder what would be an interesting sort of adventure to do now because he'd done his water polo dream I'd actually been um, traveling backpacking for a couple of years and working all around the world and we both really wanted to get into business and we had done university and we didn't really mind what business we got into we had you know water polo Toby did play a professional season, but typically water polo is an amateur sport. Uh, I'd been backpacking, didn't have many savings uh, in the bank. And so we looked to 
uncover businesses that didn't need much startup capital and that would be fairly in demand. And so back in the early days, we thought, well, web design was an option that as a business because we thought, well, there's no barrier to entry. We don't actually need thousands of dollars to start. And we thought that the internet wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. So out of a number of different options, we chose to start a web design company. Now, it's, it's worth noting, Janish, that Toby <laughs> and I are both non-technical. We'd never written a line of code in our life. Yep. But it, but it didn't stop us getting started because we we decided on that and we literally walked around the, the streets of Brisbane knocking on doors, asking people if they needed a website. Of course, <laughs> many people just said no. It wasn't very good. It wasn't a very good sales strategy nor marketing strategy at the time, but we didn't know any better. And so basically it evolved into us cold calling people, which wasn't that much fun either. Most people said no. And eventually we worked out that if we were generous and and uh, delivered value first, we were much more likely to win the business. And the way that unfolded was we would ring people up who actually had an advert in the Brisbane News that demonstrated they had some money. And we looked for people that didn't have a website listed on their advert, which meant that they didn't necessarily have a website and could be in the market for one. So we, we narrowed down our search and would call them and would say, hey, I noticed you didn't have a website. Would you be interested in seeing what a website might look like for your business? If you if you agree to it, we can come in and show you a mock-up of what the website might look like. And we've got a much better strike rate with that. Um, so once people agreed to that, we would we would go, all right, we didn't have a web, we didn't have any design skills either. So we partnered up with some friends who were graphic designers. And we said, look, here's the deal. These guys are interested. How about you do a mock-up of a website for free? And then if they decide to buy the website, then we both go ahead and do the work and we each get paid out of what the client pays. And they said, yeah, that's a great idea. And so that's how it, that's how it started off. We would do some mock-ups, we would win the business, and uh, that's how it all started 11 years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And now combining that with the, what you learned about the strategy templates from Vern Harnish and things, you've built a thriving web strategy business that you help marketers, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it sort of evolved. We don't do web design anymore. We, we you know, the web design evolved into doing consulting as well as web design, and then it evolved into doing training and education. And so that's what we do a lot more of now, um, teaching people what we've learned over the last decade and helping them apply that to their own business. Okay. So, Adam, tell me, in terms of you've been in the whole web strategy business and it's a whole ecosystem, there's not one thing that you have you can do and you get – good at and that's the only thing like there's a lot of blogging everything content for social media everything all that so in all that space what are you doing differently that not many other people are doing that is working for you and that sets you out separately well look i think the thing that's got the most traction for us has been the marketing templates because for the last six six or seven years they've been available on our website we started off with the web strategy planning template and that has now evolved into the 33 marketing templates that we include in the book. But they're all a free download from our website. 
And for us anyway, we every single day we get we get loads and loads of people downloading them and providing their email address and entering into our email marketing sequences and newsletter. And so for us, you know, we know that each week and each month there's there's hundreds or thousands of people um, entering our community, which is really cool. And so for us, that's what we we find that we're most known for is the templates that we give away. Now, it may not necessarily work for everyone, but I, I don't see too many other people doing it, at, at least not with the same, um, I don't know, enthusiasm as us. Like we've got so many because they work so well. And it takes a little bit of research, like some keyword research to make sure that what you call your document actually matches up to what people are searching for in Google. But we find a lot of people do a search like editorial calendar template or digital marketing template, and our templates show up on that first page of Google, and that gets us tons and tons of good quality traffic, and they convert very well from our landing pages. Cool. So getting into that template, and you mentioned that web strategy template. So Adam, what is the key to creating a solid web strategy? Look, I think it all it all stems from firstly understanding who your ideal buyer is, and that's often overlooked, but it's it's so it's so fundamental, so important. Even if it's just as simple as thinking of who your best customer is already and thinking about the traits of those customers or those buyers that you really like and that really, what's, what makes it really enjoyable to work with them. Um, or additionally, I interviewed Pat Flynn the other day on my podcast and he picks up the phone and calls at least one of his subscribers each week and has a 30-minute chat because that way, as well as having like a buyer persona, he actually hears from the horse's mouth, so to speak, exactly who these people are and exactly what challenges they have and what aspirations they have and he can really understand what makes them tick. Which I, which is a real, which is a really neat idea that that um, Tobes and I have been practicing as well, and that we'll call people who buy the, buy our book if they buy it through our website and we've got their phone number. That is, we'll try and give them a call to understand who they are and how we can best serve them. So that's the first part, understanding uh, your buyer, and then look. The second step I recommend to people is uncovering a piece of flagship content. And some people will call flagship content a lead magnet. But the reason I call it flagship content is because it should be something that you're known for. Like with Vern Harnish's one-page strategic plan, he's known for that because four or five different friends and mentors told Toby and I about it. Whereas a lot of lead magnets seem like people just, you know, put them together really quickly without too much thought and just slap them up on their website. It's fine, but I like the word flagship content because it really means that it signifies that it's valuable, you put a lot of your best thinking into it, and again, it's something that you're known for. And very often, you've already got it in your business. You don't necessarily need to create it in that it's probably something that you have in your head and that you might convey to your prospects quite a lot. It might be something that's in your drawers in the office 
or it might be a document, say, that you have on your computer that you actually show or you send to clients or prospective clients um, that demonstrates good value and demonstrates that you're an authority in what you do. So it's really a matter of looking at what assets you've got already and going, okay, that is the document that demonstrates our authority and shows that we're the right people to do business with. That's the document that I would encourage you to consider making available for free on your website so that lots and lots of people can get value from it, not just the people who you're seeing face-to-face or emailing one-on-one. And once you can get that flagship piece of content right, then everything else sort of falls into place around that. It's not as important whether you go on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter because you've got that really useful piece of content. And as Jay Bear would say, it should be so valuable that people would be prepared to pay for it if you ask them. And once it should feel like you're giving away too much. If it makes you a little bit like, oh, <laughs> I should give this away. I know what this is coming. <laughs> yeah. Like this it, is Michael Port's one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like if it feels too much, then you're on the money because that's probably going to have enough value to the recipient. So it should make you a little bit nervous giving it away for free. You, sh- you probably should you, you should be able to charge for it. Like as you said earlier, you felt like I could charge for my marketing templates if I wanted to, and that's great. It's a great compliment because I want the receiver to go, okay, well, it feels more like a gift than some sort of lead magnet that, you know, makes you put in your email address. So, you know, from that, once you've got, you know, your buyer and you've got that flagship piece of content that helps your ideal buyer, then the rest is really just tactics. You know, yes, you need a website, you need a landing page to actually facilitate that download. You need an email system. You should be sending regular emails. You should have an email marketing sales funnel or email sequence. And you've got all these different options of the social media platforms to, you know, you don't need them all. You know, a lot of your guests on, on your show are, you know, specialists in, in one or two. Um, you don't need to be on all of them. It helps just to be really good at one of them as opposed to spread too thin across across all the others. But look, that's the foundation of a good a good web strategy right there, Janish. Okay. And let's come back to that flagship content because it's something I honestly struggle with. I'm like, what can I offer my audience or my podcast listeners and things like that? Because I've looked around and a lot of podcasters are like, they don't have that kind of things. Like the only good stuff, I've, as I said, like when I saw all your marketing templates, I'm like, wow. Wow. And wow. Like 33 times I said, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it's how, how, like, cause it's in terms of how do you go about, like you mentioned that it's in my head or it's in the person's head, but where can you start getting that out? Because uh, uh, earlier on, we were talking that you started off with just one template. So is it that you can keep building upon this or where does that all come across? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, the first thing we were trying to do with our original template, the web strategy planning template, we were trying to be able to convey to a business owner or a marketer what what was going on in this weird and wonderful online world. You know, we, we Toby and I had read hundreds of books. 
been to you know dozens of conferences that interviewed a whole bunch of people in our industry and so we were quite familiar with what was going on online but to the business person who had their own business to run they didn't understand what we knew and they certainly didn't have time to invest in the in the um, education of it because they've got their own area of specialty so what we were looking to do is actually convey what we knew about web marketing in a very simple, easy-to-digest format that we could show somebody and talk to them briefly about it, and they go, okay, I get it. I see how your website and email and Google and social media, I get how that all fits together, and I get how that takes me to the commercial outcome that I want, which is typically more sales or more revenue or more profit. And so what we did is, yeah, we we basically thought about the most compelling principles in the books that had had the most impact on us, and we tried to just to distill it down to a double-sided piece of paper, which is what that very first, which is what the web strategy planning template is. And, you know, once that got traction and people liked it and downloaded it and shared it, well, then we realized we should continue doing what works and which is, you know, the name of the book, Web Marketing That Works. We've always tried to continue doing what works and either tweak or discontinue stuff that doesn't go so well. And so after that first success, um, we decided then to make subsequent templates. But basically, that first one was a very high-level view of everything. So what we were able to do then is take a more of a zoomed-in approach. So we would zoom in at, say, the SEO part of the template, and we did an SEO planning template. And we looked at things like Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn. And so we would do like a Facebook template, which we called the Facebook 5-Minute Daily Planning Template or the LinkedIn 5-Minute Daily Planning Template. And so we were able to drill down on a different section of the big picture. And, of course, you know, a one-page Facebook template isn't going to teach you everything you need to know about Facebook. But what it does is it actually empowers the person who's looking at it. If they're a business owner, they can look at it and go, okay, I get the basics. I know some stuff I need to do. And it helps them take that very scary first step. And, you know, once you've taken that first step, the, the rest of the steps on that journey are a lot easier. And so we wanted to make it empowering to the people that use it. And now more recently, we've wanted to empower fellow digital marketers because they can – a lot of digital marketers know this stuff, but they don't necessarily have the framework and the documents to support it. And so what this – what these templates allow digital marketers to do is to actually print it out and show it to a client or a prospect and then consult to them. They can teach them how it works. They can show them. And that's exactly how we do our private consulting is depending on what we're consulting to the client about. We'll print out the most relevant templates and we'll literally give them a copy and talk them through it and help them fill it in and show them how to do certain things on their own computer. And that's that's literally what we what we what we do in most of our consulting sessions. And of course you can earn good good money doing that. And so what these templates now allow digital marketers to do is, is exactly the same. Like they 
they know it fundamentally, but to then to turn that into revenue dollars is a different story. And we found that a lot of clients, whether they're corporates or business owners or marketing managers, is that if they see like a framework and a process and some, you know, documents, then they're a lot more receptive to, to doing it. Um, and so, yeah, that's how basically the templates have, unf- have, have evolved. And that's, um, and that's where people can, can derive the value from them. Okay. Cause that, and when you were just speaking there, I was thinking, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I could do something like that. <laughs> Cause it's, it's making like a little bit more sense to me. And when you were saying it's like a step by step process and putting that down on a piece of paper and then building upon that is something where I think most of the people forget to do that with their audiences as well. So the next step after this, so you've got your person to download your flagship content because it's so irresistible. They're happy to give you an email address. So what happens then? Like you've created an irresistible flagship content. Then you've talked about that email marketing sequence or that email marketing sales funnel. So can you dive a bit into that? Sure. Yeah. So one of the things that I've been conscious of is, is not overwhelming people with too much stuff. And I think I've, I've probably, that's probably been a mistake in some of my marketing is that if people download one template, I say, okay, here it is. And here's all 33 of them. And I kind of drown them. I originally wanted to deliver all my best value up front. And that was the philosophy behind it is to be generous and give all my best stuff. But the more I've been listening and learning from particularly um, Sean D'Souza from Psycho Tactics, I realize that consumption is a lot more and, and making progress is a lot more important than drowning people in, in value. Because if, if you overwhelm people and give them too many things to look at, they just put it on their computer along with every other download they've got and never look at it. Whereas if I can simplify that and just say, look, here's the template to start with. Don't worry about the rest. Take five minutes to go through this video. Take five minutes to look at the template and actually do X, Y, Z. If I can get people through my marketing and education to actually do X, Y, Z, then they've made progress. And that's a much more important step of the process than just drowning them in, in stuff. And so I've changed my philosophy lately in that my email sequence now consists of starting with teaching them about the web strategy planning template. So that will be two or three emails where I introduce it to them, where I send them the link to watch the video of me explaining it. And I also actually give away the original design files of the planning template so that marketers or marketing managers can can take the design files and they can rebrand it, co-brand it or whatever, and make it their own. Um, one of the things we did was actually release the template under Creative Commons, which means that people can edit it, build upon it, use it commercially. So it's, it's our sort of contribution. There's no, it is copyright under Creative Commons, but that actually means that we're giving permission to everybody who has it to actually do what they, what they want, uh, with it. So yeah, the email sequence typically is, I mean, in, in general marketing terms, it's once, once people have opted into your material, what journey do you take them on? And for me, it's a couple of emails about 
the planning template. I want them to be able to fill that out and have a documented web strategy as their first actionable uh, step. And once they've got then got that, they hopefully feel incredibly empowered and then want to go on the rest of the journey. And that is when we introduce our book, Web Marketing That Works. So a few, maybe four or five, three or four, five emails into our sequence, we introduce our book and tell people um, what their life will look like once they've read it and implemented it and why they might like to buy it. And, you know, we take them to a sales page where they can download the book, where they can get the bonuses, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and then once people buy it, well, then, you know, Tobes and I will give them a call, we'll have a chat and get to know them, try and build a bit of rapport with our readers, which we love. And from there, um, I'm actually building out a few more, a few more, um, email sequences now where they can learn certain things. Like I'm building one out now called the tools of the trade because a lot of people want to know. So which, landing page software do you use or what email platform do you use or how do you schedule your social media um, updates so I've got a I'm building out a training a free training course there that teaches everybody all the tools that they need um, and I'm building out another one that slowly takes people through I've actually built it already I, I used to run it all the time but I've suspended it but now I'm, I'll be turning it back on sort of taking people through all of our 33 templates but you know one step at a time instead of just giving them all at once at the start and you know once people go through that process then they they feel empowered they feel educated and they want to know the next steps to to take it more seriously and that's when we have our online training programs our events our webinars and and everything else from there that um is typically what you'd call our back-end offers that are much more high-priced but we've delivered a lot more value by that stage so people are very willing to or the right people if they've got the right things going on in their business, are, are very willing to um, to go on that journey with us then. Okay. And in terms of you mentioned that them taking action. So I loved how you did that when you were presenting where you basically were offering a copy of your book if someone tweeted a, cop, a photo of their notes. So I love how you get people to take action. So what do you do in email because it's harder to get people to take action? So what are some of the examples or things or strategies you do that make people to take action and start listening to you or start following what you're saying? Yeah, well, some of the simplest stuff is literally just having um, our Twitter handles in the email and saying, um, drop us, a, you know, send us a tweet to say hi. We often have uh, pre-populated tweets, like with a click to tweet link, and we'll say, click to tweet this template and by doing so, they're actually taking action. They're sharing it with their followers, which is great for us. And also, they're posting it publicly, which means that Toby and I can see that on our Twitter stream, and we can then respond and show that we're listening and show that we're interacting with our community and follow them back. We can reply to them. And, you know, if we can have a nice exchange early on it's a very it's a very low low risk low um low level interaction like exchanging tweets is is hardly having someone around for um for, your, for a dinner party or over to you know to your wedding mm. but it's the first step that can evolve into a much deeper more 
more meaningful um, relationship or commercial relationship further down the track. So, yeah, it's a, it, our email sequences has got little calls to action in, very, very low-level ones at the start and gradually increasing and increasing until you know, people are hopefully enrolling in our courses or coming along to our webinars or what have you. But um, it's an appropriate level of interaction oh, and, and of taking action um, each step of the way. Cool. And so after taking that action, like now the other part of the web strategy template and things is obviously the content marketing side of things where you're creating that hub, you're creating people to actually come see that you're offering this kind of a flagship content. So what's your play on that? Like I know you do a podcast as well. I love listening to that one and also the blogging side of things. So where should one start and what should they go about doing? Okay, so yeah, once you've got that, yeah, so you've got your, your flagship, to recap, your, your flagship content, you've got a landing page where people can download it. Once they do it, they, they go into your your sales funnel or your lead nurturing process. So you need that first because otherwise, you, if you do get traffic, it's just wasted because there's nothing for them to do or there's no journey that you're taking them on. <laughs> so, so the next step of the thing is to actually get traffic. And... I've always been a big advocate of content marketing, which basically means publishing stuff for free to the internet and attracting people in to that ecosystem. Some people uh, go prefer the path of paying for traffic, so paying for Facebook ads or Google ads predominantly in order to get paid traffic to your site. And look, that's 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 a good approach. I've certainly started with content marketing and now I'm experimenting with paid traffic because I think paid traffic is good once you've got it once your system's working but it can be a very costly frustrating exercise if you're paying for traffic and you and that tra- and you're not doing much with that traffic or you're not converting it or they're not really liking what you what you've got to offer so I certainly I certainly advocate starting with content marketing, which really just means publishing stuff to the internet. So where should you start? Well, most people, I I would say, start by publishing stuff on your own website because that's where your flagship content lives. But, But just have a little bit on your website, but also in the early days, publish a lot to other people's websites too because you need to strike the balance. When you're starting out, no one's going to know about your website. There's going to be no traffic, and it can be a very lonely, disheartening place <laughs> when you're writing blog posts or releasing podcasts, and only you know one or two people tune in, or one or two people read your read your post. So, so the way to get traffic is to and to get readers is to actually be strategic and start blogging um, for other people's blogs as a guest blogger, and that's a reasonably straightforward process. Um, you know, you just reach out to the owner of the blog via email typically and propose that you write something for them. And depending on, you know, how far up the food chain they might be, it will be, you know, potentially harder or easier depending on, on who you reach out to. But the, but the idea there is that they've already got an audience of readers. And if you can actually write something meaningful for them, then they know who you are now. And if you've got a call to action, which is a uh, typically a reason why they should do something. If you've got a call to action at the end of your guest blog post, for example, saying, 
if you've liked this article on marketing, head over to my website and download the web strategy planning template then and a link that they have to click, then that call to action guides people back to your home base, to your website where people can download the planning template and, of course, give their email address and go into your lead nurturing process, which gets people into your ecosystem. Uh, and, one, you know, once you've done that, I mean, I always I, – I think that's a – I'll definitely do more of it at the start. And then once you start to get up a bit of traction, a bit of momentum, then certainly do more blogging on your own site. But that's one of the ways that you can try and publish information, publish content across the web, across your website and across other people's website that means that um, you're, getting, you're, getting, you're getting those people knowing who you are, you're getting those people downloading that flagship content and you're getting them into that email sequence as well so definitely i mean and also when it comes to blogging versus videos versus podcasts versus infographics my only advice would be just pick something that you actually enjoy like i much prefer having a chat you know on the, <laughs> the podcast with you Janice, tonight and you know rather than writing a blog post um some people love writing and hate talking and some people <laughs> love designing and you know can barely spell uh, and, and can barely speak, but you know, pick pick whatever it is that you enjoy because if you you got to make it easy, you got to give yourself some advantage. And if you like talking, you know, do a podcast. Um, for me, I love podcasts and I love I love writing, but I love writing my email newsletters. Yep. For some reason, I don't like writing blog posts as much. <laughs> With an uh, email, it feels like it's an email to a friend. Uh, that I can write, you know, because I've got this relationship with my email list. I can, they know, they know the background story. I'm building this relationship. I can refer to other things that they'll know about. I was writing a blog for some reason. Like I've written hundreds of them, probably close to a thousand blog articles, but I don't, it, it, you know, when I sit down to do something, if I sit down to write, I gravitate to doing <laughs> email marketing. I don't gravitate to doing blog article writing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get you. I get you because it's the same. Like when I started, because I was I started as like writing blogs and stuff, and I would sit there. I'm like, what am I doing? I can't write and all that stuff. And I still wrote blog posts. I got published on Pro Blogger and things like that. But then when I found about podcasting, I've consistently now it's now this there's like over 50 episodes and within a space of roughly six seven months I was like this is it like I can I love talking and it's the same as you it's like if we could go on talking for hours and hours and we wouldn't stop <laughs> exactly and what I love about podcasts too is that it goes onto iTunes and Stitcher and everything else but it also doubles as a blog post like it's got to live somewhere on your website and so it lives on your blog so you're kind of getting like yeah, killing two, two birds with one stone. Yeah, two for one, exactly. Absolutely. So in those kind of things. So in terms of now, how about making this grow quicker? Because blogging, podcasting, content marketing, it has to go through its own paces. It doesn't, it takes time. But whatever you come across in those 11 years that can make this a little bit quicker, or a little bit faster, like any ninja tips you might have that people should try to implement. Look, the the answer to that is is not really. I don't really have any tips. Like as you said, it's been eleven years, so I've been very slow and steady and and playing the long game with with what I do. And I know, like for us, the templates have got lots of traction. Um, I know for other people, Instagram gets lots of traction. 
or guest blogging is, is their thing or podcasting is their thing. And look, there's, there's definitely case studies and people that have really, really come out of the blocks quickly in all of those different platforms. And you can, you can emulate them, um, and, and, and it pro- pro- probably achieve the same results. But I haven't, I haven't experienced that firsthand. So I don't really feel like my, I haven't sort of, it's not my own experience. I've, I've certainly just been, you know, blogging for eight or nine years and podcasting for two years and releasing templates and it's, it's been slow and steady for me. Um, you know, templates is what's worked for me, but, but everybody's different and everybody has things that they, that bring them different levels of joy. Um, so no, no, no real ninja tips. Just if you, if you're enjoying it, keep doing it and, um, and just take pride in your work and, and, and keep persevering because it, it does take a bit of time. Like it's, you sometimes can get disheartened when you look at, say, you know, a John Lee Dumas <laughs> podcasting success or Nathan Chan with his Instagram success or Dan Norris with his, you know, his blogging and content marketing success. These things, you know, if you, they've done exceptionally well. And I, I've modeled a lot of what I do on some of those guys, but, but you can't like, you can't ex- necessarily expect your audience and your product to get the same traction. It's just a matter of working out what works for you and also looking be- beneath the surface as well. You know, like I'm sure you'll interview, you have interviewed a lot of these guys. Dan's been on your show and I think Nathan's yep. been on your show too. Like there's always, it's always worth digging deeper and seeing, you know, what got them to that point? What have they tried and not succeeded with? Um, because, you know, we were blogging for quite a long time before we discovered these templates and it was disheartening. You know, you put hours of work into a blog post and you wouldn't really get any traction. And we're going, what's what's going on here? <laughs> and all of a sudden you release this double-sided piece of paper and for every day for the last seven years, it's or five or six years, it's delivered us hundreds of leads. <laughs> um, so it's just a matter of working out. <laughs> yeah, just working out what works for you because there's – there's definitely it's definitely possible in all the different platforms, um, but yeah, don't, don't keep keep your eye on the long term game and and don't always don't feel like a failure if you're not necessarily keeping up with you know the the Nathans or Dans or John Lee <laughs> of the world because that the you can you can easily as you as you know like you can easily fall into the trap of comparing yourself with people and it's it's no good especially when you're comparing yourself with what you see on the outside. Um, you know, the amount of effort and discipline and, and hard work and, and, and brave work as well that a lot of these guys have put in is um is worth keeping in mind as well. Yeah, and I was talking to Nathan and it was the same, like similar stuff. And you mentioned that you can only, like people only see what you show kind of thing. And that's what like gets seen is like all the success and stuff, but they don't get to see the back end side of things. And as you mentioned, it took you quite a while just to get to the templates, but now everyone's like, well, that works for you. Maybe it will work for me. And I think it's another quote we share in common is like overnight success takes 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. At least. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Adam, in terms of you've got the email marketing side of things, you've got the content, so getting that traffic email marketing. So what else is the piece of the puzzle when it comes to that uh, uh, solid digital, solid web strategy? Look, the, the, the last part or the, the next uh, one of the most important parts is the scary part, in, in my opinion, and in a lot of people's minds is, 
is the social media side of things and particularly the relationship building side of things. Like a lot of people will dismiss social media um, and a lot of people misunderstand social media too, even even like whether it's newbies that I you know speak to a lot at conferences um, from people outside of our online world, like mm. um, regular uh, professionals or business owners or CEOs, but also people within our online world can sometimes be dismissive of social. And it's a very broad term and it entirely depends on what you're using it for. Like, yes, it's very hard to make a, you know, uh, you know, tweet go viral or, or to get lots and lots of people, visitors on your Facebook business page, you know, without boosting it, you know, typically. Um, and a lot of people will say your efforts better spent in other areas, which it is like you need to get your home base set up, which is your website and your blog and your, um, landing pages. Plus you need your email system. So I often say that social media is the icing on the cake. But you need the cake first, which is the stuff we've spoken about. Hmm. But see, social media is great because it can firstly amplify what you're doing. So, but if you do, if you're not doing it right in the first place, all you're doing is amplifying stuff that's bad. <laughs> so, if your website's no good and your email sequence doesn't work, and you don't have a landing page to convert people, well, amplifying stuff on social media is only going to get you more of stuff that doesn't work. So, focus on on um on the on the fundamentals but secondly the scary part of social media is that now everybody in the world pretty much is accessible and so i've been um following nathan chan's work for a long time and you know getting people like seth godin and ariana huffington and uh gary gary v onto his magazine onto founder magazine that take that's that's incredibly brave work like I know what it's like to ask people onto my podcast or ask them for an interview and you get nervous, especially yep. <laughs> the further up the food chain they are, that's when fear kicks in and fear of rejection and you question yourself and you go, well, actually, maybe I won't ask Seth Go for the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> can you chicken out? And that's, that's the scary part and that's why social media can be so powerful because it gives you a gateway, it gives you access to every, basically everybody on the planet. Like everybody's got a Facebook page pretty much. Most journalists or CEOs or high-profile people have a Twitter account or an Instagram. Like there's ways to have access today that we didn't have 10 years ago, and that's a huge opportunity, but it's incredibly scary as well. So I think social media, the real power of social media lies in the relationships that you can forge because you can now like get on people's radar by maybe retweeting some stuff or tweeting them a question, maybe following them on Instagram and being interactive there. And that that hopefully puts you on their radar. They remember you. If then you maybe sign up to their email list and you strike up a conversation there or you pay for a ticket to go see people at an event and you can connect there. You know, it gives it gives you this opportunity. And in, in, in my book I talk about how Tobes and I had this meeting with a CEO of a billion-dollar company off the back <laughs> of a Twitter exchange. And um, it was interesting, hey, because, I mean, it, it speaks volumes as to this guy's generosity inviting us in for a meeting uh, and, a, and, and, and doing a video with us. But, you know, that two, two young guys starting out a web design business would never normally get a 15-minute get a, get a meeting with a 
we're the CEO of a um, of a global company, you know, that does billions of dollars. But we connected on Twitter. It evolved to an email relationship, and then magic happens. You know, so that's why I think social media can really amplify what you do. And if you can use it to form relationships, like you're very good at doing as well, then you know it's a team game. This whole business and life, you know, it's, it's the people that you have in your in your network. It's the people you consider friends. It's the people that know who you are and who value what you do and who speak nicely about you when you're not there. And that all stuff comes from relationships. And social media is is, is the first stepping stone to those relationships. So yeah, social media is is, is a biggie. Yeah. And uh, one of the things when you mentioned relationships, I remembered like the blab you did with Trevor Young and what you do in terms of when you have an international podcast guest, you actually send them like a goodie bag with all the Tim Tams and Vegemite or whatever. So it's, it's those kind of little things, I guess. It's like, what, what else do you do in terms of to build those kind of relationships? I love that example. And I was like, wow, to go to that extreme lengths and to stand out is really, really something different. Well, well, it, it is. I mean, you don't see it that often. And, you know, I only, I mean, I'm basing it on stuff I've read and people that I've spoken to. And I thought, oh, that's a great idea. How can I put my flavor on that and implement that myself? And people have long said that handwritten notes, sending cards in the mail, sending little thank you gifts, things like that just go such a long way. And it, it's not that hard, you know. <laughs> Envelopes have existed forever. People always <laughs> send cards, but people don't actually do it. And there's a big difference between there's a, there's a quote written on my business partner's um, whiteboard in, in our office at the Gold Coast, and it says, knowing the path is different from walking the path. <laughs> and we all know intuitively that, oh, yeah, I know I should send thank you cards. That would be nice. I know I should you know, send cards or gifts or whatever, but it, people get too busy and they think, well, it's not that important. But so I just do, I just try and factor in those little things. Like I always carry around this little uh, stationary kit of um, thank you slips, envelopes, stamps, blue wire. Or, they're not branded as in they don't have a company name or anything to do with us. It's just like, you know, the one I'm sending at the moment is some muffins that Angela um, from our office, she used to be our office manager. She baked these, these muffins and they um, are in the blue wire colors. And so there's a photograph that we took of that. We turned that into a card. So I've got um, a few hundred of those in my stationary kit. And, um, you know, each week I'd try and send out a, a thank you card or a thank you note. And if it's people that have been on my podcast, especially um, internationals, I send them a packet of Tim Tams. I send them sometimes Vegemite. <laughs> it doesn't always go down as, as, as well, the Vegemite, compared to the Tim Tams. Because <laughs> I think it's an Australian thing, understanding that. But I like to give them the contrast, something yummy and something they may not like. You know, I send, I send a little koala. It yep. costs hardly anything at the souvenir shops in, in Bondi, where I live, and you can get them obviously anywhere in Australia. But a little koala, and I send them a copy of my book as well. Not that I expect them necessarily to read it or even to um, – or even, you know, just even to think that there's something in there that they don't know, but just to say, you know, here's a gift and it helps, it, it helps take that next step of the relationship over and above just connecting on email and a podcast. I'm always trying to look at ways to just be memorable and stand out and be helpful and generous. And, you know, as you've done 50 odd episodes of your podcast and I've done the same, you know, each person you chat to, it's another opportunity to not just leave it there and have one podcast show but really it should be one extra person in your network who you can 
strengthen that relationship on who you can help and be generous with. And, you know, one day, one day, you know, that network becomes really robust and people want to know you. And then you start getting invites to, to cool people that previously you might have actually spent months trying to reach out to. All of a sudden, you know, you're getting introductions to them and they're wanting to help. And it all just, it all just kind of snowballs. But, um, yeah, that's a, just a couple of examples of, of how I try and, um, stand out with, you know, off, especially offline things in a digital world, the notes and the cards and the gifts. Uh, and that is an important part of the web strategy. <laughs> yeah. I uh, love it. And that's what, like, that's what impresses me, like, about what you do. And you've had that long run and you've taken it step by step. Man, as you mentioned, like, sometimes you're like, how the hell do these people, like, who've just started within years get to that much? And, but it's about that doing what you love and building those relationships and adding value. So Adam, we're almost to an end. What is an action that our listener can take in terms of creating that solid web strategy? Look, if, if, if you've liked what I've had to say so far on the interview, then I certainly recommend uh, heading to get your hands on the web strategy planning template. You can just head to my homepage, um, bluewiremedia.com.au and you can download it there or simply just do a Google search. It'll, it'll come up. And what happens then is if you enter your name, I'll, you'll then get access to the template. And if you stay subscribed, what I'll do is in subsequent emails, what I'll do is I'll send out the training video. I'm teaching you exactly how I use exactly how I teach this to private clients. So we don't do that much of it anymore, but it can be highly lucrative. Hundreds of dollars an hour to teach this stuff to people that don't get it yet. And so I teach it for, I think it's 12 minutes, um, and that's exactly what people can do if you're in consulting. Um, teach my template to your clients and earn revenue. And then if you stay on the email list a few emails further down the track, you'll get my, um, you'll get the design files. Not that I'm a designer. They've been professionally designed, thankfully, but you'll get the, um, the illustrator files. I think they are and the word documents and, um, you can rebrand it, build upon it, change stuff, whatever you like. And then you can really make it your own. Um, and look, that's all, that's all free. So I love nothing more than seeing other people using this marketing framework, you know, it's all, it's all, all a collaboration, um, and seeing it improve and, and people using it is, is a great thrill. So bluewiremedia.com.au, um, will get you that template. Awesome. And I'll put that link, uh, down on the show notes as well. And again, that's bluewiremedia.com.au. So Adam, I really, really enjoyed the chat and love talking about everything web strategy and how to link that to the offline world. Any last words to share before we wrap this up? Yeah, look, just my advice is just, you know, just it's so easy to get overwhelmed and go from one thing to another, especially when you're on Twitter and Facebook and email. There's all these new people and ideas and things coming into your life. Just pick something that it all works. Like every, there's always going to be people that have made each platform work, but just pick something that sounds good to you and that you just want to give a go. And just block the other stuff out for a while. Just, just, just focus on implementing because, you know, we can all learn. We can all read books and listen to podcasts and watch webinars and go to conferences, but the magic happens when you implement stuff. So just pick whatever it is, even if it's just setting up a Twitter account or sending a tweet or sending an email newsletter, just pick something, implement it, 
and then pat yourself on the back and then go and learn more and pick something and implement it. But just take the action and it's a long, it's a long term game. It's a lot of fun and, um, yeah, just enjoy it. Absolutely. And thanks for that. So Adam, uh, apart from Blue Wire Media, where can our audience get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. So Twitter is uh, Franklin underscore Adam. And if anybody wanted to shoot me an email, it's adam at bluewiremedia.com.au. Adam, thanks a lot. Again, I'll put those links down at the show notes. I really, really appreciate that chat and love those little things you do for people to build that relationships. And as you mentioned, it's all about the relationships and network and giving value. Thanks a lot. And thanks for coming on the show. Absolute pleasure. Janesh, congrats on all you're doing and what you're building. It's uh, it's very impressive to see. How amazing was that? And especially where Adam discussed about creating your flagship content. After I had interviewed Adam, I literally sent him an email that I'm going to kill you because like when we inter- I interviewed him, uh, all my brain cells were firing and I was thinking about what killer content to create the flagship content to create for my podcast and still been thinking about it and building up on something so that's coming out very soon but i hope that was really helpful for you guys and look out at uh, what adam's doing along with toby and make sure you also subscribe to the podcast uh, web marketing that works it's really really great podcast i listen to it every time every time a new episode comes out and i love it i simply love it because the the interviews they have the guests they bring are are really really great so check out adam and toby's work at bluewiremedia.com.au and make sure you download those templates because i've downloaded them i'm using them at this moment with my business as well They're not to be missed and they're seriously full of value. So check out Adam's work at bluewiremedia.com.au. So that's it from me. As Adam mentioned, learn something, implement it, and then go out and learn something else. So keep doing that, keep doing that, keep repeating the process and you will grow your business and you will become that authority in your field. So see you on another episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Key to Authority podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share at www.keytoauthority.com. We'll see you next time.